And I'm Julia, and welcome to Unnecessary Angst, your local YA tipsy book podcast. I definitely switched the wording up there again, because I almost forgot to say book. But you remembered. (laughs) You said book. That's the important part. (laughs) I'm so aware of it now. (laughs) Because of my anxiety and paranoia. Great. (laughs) Uh... It sums up, I think, a lot of our friendship really well. I'm just really anxious and paranoid about things, and you just, like, acknowledge my anxiety and, like, try to accommodate it as best as you can. I do. I try. Uh, I really appreciate it. That's why you're my best friend. You just gotta... Most people don't well, care. to be fair, you're... It's not like... You're you have like a lot of anxiety. Like your anxiety is like it's reasonable things, you know. It's what like people should accommodate for. So ah, thank you. That just made my anxiety <laughs> about feeling anxious go down. Appreciate it. <laughs> Great. My anxiety about my anxiety. <laughs> it has layers. It's like Shrek. <laughs> Starting off real strong this week. Mm, yeah, we are both very tired and we are drinking. That is not a good combination. <laughs> You're right. It's a great combination. <laughs> Fair. What, what are you drinking this week, Julia? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I stole one of my dad's wines because I still have not gone to a wine store or a liquor store in like weeks. Mm. Um, so I'm getting desperate. Sorry to my dad. I will replenish it soon. Um, I am drinking a Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, my week has been fine. I got my kayak, which was my very early birthday present, which is exciting. I still haven't gotten to use it yet because I've been so incredibly tired. I've been traveling back and forth from my parents. Mm-hmm. So it's just been a lot. But I have it, at least. I have everything. I basically just need to go out on the water. <laughs> that's all that's left. <laughs> that would be that's nice. the most important part. <laughs> would be would be cool. <laughs> um, but otherwise, pretty quiet. Um, the in, My internship technically ended, so now I'm on my extension. Um, so all of the, well, not all of them, but the majority of the other interns have left me. So I'm all alone, <laughs> which is fine. I was alone basically already in the office that I'm in. <laughs> um, yeah. How about you? I mean, I really wish I had more to say. I, I have nothing exciting going on in my life. Literally the past week has been spent making sure I have everything I need for my kayak. Like I have a first aid kit. I have my paddle. I have an attachment for my paddle so it doesn't fly off the kayak at some point. <laughs> I have a, a safety whistle. <laughs> I have a life vest. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what are Love you it. drinking? How are you doing? Um, I'm drinking a uh, Toscana wine. Ooh. No the, idea. From what... Tuscany? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Toscana is Tuscan wine. <laughs> That's what I'm drinking. It didn't tell me the grape varietals on the bottle, so I'm I'm going in blind. Oh god. 
It's fine. It's you know, I, this is how I drink my wine. It's the grab bag of whatever is in the box that I order randomly from Naked Wine. I need to. I need to order random random wines. Wait, can I send you some wines for your birthday? I was gonna say you were gonna send me a referral. Oh, I can do that too. Which would but great. I just have a really big balance built up already, so I'm like more than happy to send you wines if you want wine for your birthday. If you want other things for your birthday, I can give you other things for your birthday. I, first of all, I don't need anything for my birthday. I need your presence in my life, and that is enough. I don't know. I think I need to follow up on that fear design <laughs> that I got. I love that year. sign. I still have it up. It's so cute. And you probably need new candles, because I'm sure the candle I bought you for your birthday last year has run out. I do need new candles. I still have them. I haven't used the um, Nina one as much, but I, the Enish one was so good. I like I burned that down. <laughs> it was great. It's hard to know when you can't smell them, like if they're yeah. gonna turn out okay. <laughs> you hope for the best. I will say that the Nina one isn't my smell, but it's very on point for Nina's character, like. Fair. It was very accurate. Very, very overwhelmingly sweet. Mm. Which is Nina. That is fair. Yeah, that's not really you. That's fair. No. <laughs> you can send me an audible credit. <laughs> can you do that? Can I probably do an audible, the... like, gift card? I don't know. <laughs> I could listen to the lightning thief. <laughs> uh, we started school last week. Um, I love this. We started school, not she started school. We started school. Yeah, it takes up a ton of time in my day because they don't have a bus system, so I have to drop her off and pick her up every single day. Order her an Uber. <laughs> Imagine. Do you know how or much that would cost me? Day? I wouldn't be bankrupt. <laughs> well, how far is it? It's not about how far it is. It's how much Uber's cost in California. It would cost me $13 one way to Uber her four That's miles. how much I, I spent. I, would, I took Ubers pretty frequently when I was going back and forth from my apartment to the train station. And, like, once you added in tips and everything, it, it was pricey. But I was, like, it was the dead of winter. I did not want to go outside in that. <laughs> so. Which makes sense. But I also have to be mindful of the fact that, like, I still have to pay my mortgage and my property taxes and all my utility bills and any transportation I have for when they start making us return to office, which at that point... And it just wouldn't make sense to send her in an Uber. And I have to feed two people instead of one. True. That is true. How's that going? It's fine. I made, like, like, last night I cooked... A bunch of chana masala, so that way she can have that for dinner tonight as well. Um, and I'll have that too once we hang up today. But, um, man, but, being uh, an adult is hard. <laughs> it is, yeah. Doing all the meal prepping and like planning out all this stuff for school, and like it's been, it's been an adjustment, though. At least her school is not as weird and intense as Colton Academy. Good transition! Round of applause, round of applause. Thank you. I like Though I will say, I wasn't even expecting that. <laughs> I know, it was, it was sneaky. Though I will say, uh, kids did 100% get into fights at school yesterday on the 
third day of school. Oh, so it what? might actually be as intense. Me? Yeah, there were two fights. Oh my god. Uh, the, How? the the fight between the girls was apparently the bloodier one. Oh, good for the girls. Get your claws out. <laughs> Maybe Kate was in it. <laughs> Would not surprise me, though I think we were thinking that I had someone slept with somebody else's boyfriend, probably, and Kate would not mm. deign to be involved if something as banal as no, that. It's too low for her. Yeah. It would be too much interaction with another human. <laughs> Speaking of, she's too fixated on uh, a non-human in these chapters, isn't she? Very she's non-human. Extremely non-human. Do you want to go through the synopsis for us, Julia? Yes, I shall. I do. Okay. Verse 2, Chapter 7. August is stressing on his way home about his conversation with Kate, her over-curiosity in his background, and the sass he fed to her. Her over... Did I say his over? This is off to a really good start. I'm one sentence in. <laughs> no, I. you said her, but you kind of blended it, so it was over-curiosity instead of overt-curiosity. <laughs> but it means the same thing, so you're fine. Bear with me. Bear with me. Anyway, so then Leo walks into his room and says, Kate... Oh, Kate. Jeez. <laughs> says August is coming out to eat with him because Philip and Harris are out of commission. He doesn't want to go hunting with Leo and tries to make excuses, but Leo won't hear it. When he grabs for his violin, Leo tells him to leave it, and August notices Leo doesn't have an instrument with him either. As they walk, Leo starts asking questions in ways August hates because he has to be specific in his responses, so he tells him he is thinking about Kate, saying she knows he has a secret. They talk about it, and Leo says he needs to stay in school until Kate confronts him about the truth because pulling him out would be more suspicious. And if she does figure it out, they will deal with it. August tries to tell Leo she is an innocent, but Leo retorts that she is a harker. We switch to Kate, still in the same chapter, and she goes to her room in complete silence and starts sifting through everything she knows about Sunai. She knows they are rare and they make harker nervous. She also explains what types of crimes lead to the creation of each monster class. Corsi come from violent but non-lethal crimes, Malkai from murders, and Sunai from mass murders, such as bombings or mass shootings. This makes her think the Sunai are the worst of the worst, given what their catalyst is. Fair assumption. She keeps thinking about all the rumors she has ever heard about Sunai and how evil they are and what kinds of crazy powers they may have. She also notes they look human and starts to look up Leo because that is one of the Sunai who they knew the identity of. He had been with Flynn for the last 12 years. She finds two folders, Leo Music and Leo Torture. Casual. She watches a clip from the music folder where he is playing guitar in a full bar, and she tries, and she sees their glow and two people drift towards him with red lights. Watching the deaths of the two sinners chills her. But does she know that they're sinners? I don't um. think she does. I don't, I think she just sees them glowing a different color. This may have just been me. Okay. Putting well, context so I don't in. think that she knows. Fair <laughs> enough. That's a fair correction. I was just kind of going really quickly, so that's a very good point. Uh, but not because of the death or the look of calm he had after eating, but because 
chilling her, but because of what he can do with sound. And she thinks of Freddy's violin, grateful he refused to play, though she isn't sure why now. She is glad she at least has an upper hand on him because she now knows the truth and can work to figure out his weaknesses. And then clicks on one of the torture videos. Verse 2, chapter 8. Leo tells August they are hunting two men, and August comments internally on how few marked crosses Leo has. Not for lack of control, but because he relishes the feeling of going dark. Leo says the brothers are responsible for the death of six, are drug dealers, etc., and hands August a knife. August then describes Leo turning his hand to shadow, which he can do because he can easily flip between the two forms. August keeps asking questions and Leo tells him to do what he is told. A man runs out at them and Leo pins him and says he wants to show August other ways to bring souls to the surface to educate him, which August does not seem very thrilled about. Don't blame him. Leo, no. Leo tor tortures the man, breaking bones, until he starts to glow red and gives his confession. August tells him to stop, saying it doesn't make sense to make him suffer, and Leo asks why he shouldn't suffer given they are all bad people who deserve penance. <laughs> A second man lunges at August, and August on instinct stabs him. His life force rushes August, and he starts his confession but quickly dies. He is not a fan of feeding this way. While he feels rejuvenated, it feels wrong and tarnished, like he took the sins on with the soul. Leah told him it will get easier, and he asks if it really should. Great question, True. August. True. Back to Kate. She's reminiscing on watching Leo torture a man to death to steal the soul, though she still doesn't understand what the marks and the tallies mean, what a quote-unquote slip-up entails, since that is what August told her, and he cannot lie. Sloane is suddenly standing behind her. He tells her that Harker won't be home, and she follows him out of the room to ask something, when he appears behind her in her bad ear, but she turns slowly and asks about the Sunai. He tells her they can appear human, but that is not their true form, which concerns her since she doesn't know what the real shape of the Sunai is. She confirms with him they feed on life force, different than souls according to Sloane, and that they are indestructible. She thinks they must have a weakness, but Sloane doesn't know of one. She asks how many there are, and he says three. Leo is known to Sloane, and he shows her some scars he has from past interactions with the Sunai, though Sloane notes he did leave a mark on Leo as a point of pride. He tells her the second Sunai made the Baron and is bound to, be, is bound to the compound by the truce, which surprises Kate, and that the third is a mystery, though not a mystery to Kate. She digests this information and heads away, thinking that if she delivers August directly to Harker, that would be a lot better than just giving him pictures and information. So she deletes every picture she took of August and starts to plot. This girl. <sighs> this yeah. girl. Oh my god. Okay. All right. Let's talk about chapter seven. Let's let's talk about chapter seven. <laughs> uh, okay, my first thought in chapter seven. Like, poor August. He just wants to live in like this nice, quiet world, surrounded by some nice violin sonatas, and instead he's like incessantly peppered with questions. 
like at the beginning of chapter seven and I was just sitting there and I was like I empathize with you so hard my introverted self does not I hate when that happens like I just want to be alone listen to some music read a book and people just like keep trying to talk to me and I'm like no thank you I don't want to school is a lot too at that that part of your life where like you're doing classes even though he's like only really going through the motions but like socially it's a lot for someone someone who's an introvert so leo being like we're gonna go eat now is like whoa pause god have some empathy seriously has none of Leo is not capable of having feelings, let's be real. Other than rage, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. He's also, I mean, in general, I think Leo's really scary in this chapter. Like, well, in both chapters, to be honest. But specifically, it freaked me out um, a little bit with, like, how he thinks of Kate. That he assumes, like everyone else, but he's more dangerous than everyone else and his assumption that she's just like her father and that she could just be like easily wiped off the map basically is concerning because only August is really seeing her humanity but he may not be able to stop anything that Leo tries to do if Leo thinks that Kate becomes a threat and it freaks me out and I get like Leo has a point as to why like August needs to stay in school you know, to, like, keep monitoring and, like, be there to handle Kate if needed. And also, like, because if they'd be asking all these questions if he, if they pulled him out. But it's just concerning. Like, he does not have any sense of welfare for his brother. And, I mean, I get they're not really brothers, but, like, but they've been around each other for so long that they, and, like, they're, like, two of three of their kind like that does give you somewhat of a bond um but only if you feel humanity like leo that's the problem right like leo in these two chapters is displaying overt monsterness that's a word Mm -hmm. right we're running with it yeah absolutely (laughs) and so it's really hard to say like yeah he sees August as his brother and like cares must it to some level or some extent care about his well-being because I I don't actually know that he does I, I think similar to what we were talking about I think last week when he was saying that Ilsa is a tool he sees August probably as a tool too a tool to use to get to Harker rather than like someone who has thoughts and feelings and complexities that need to be like understood and cherished which is how I think about August, but I don't think Leo thinks that about August. And that's where I think his monstrosity comes out, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think also, is this the first time we've had a mid-chapter flip over? Other than, like, maybe that prologue? Yes, it is! I have a whole thing about it, but I want to bring it up in chapter 8. But yeah, it is the first first time we've had it. Like, it's unique. Um, I'm also really glad that we have a third-person point of view method of storytelling. Like, yes, it's nice that in other books, 
sometimes they'll like label you know when we're flipping mid-chapter like oh we're going to this person's perspective now which I think you need to do if you're in a first person point of view but third person point of view it's really easy to pick up like when you switch perspectives so like I appreciate that I think that even though she didn't like explicitly call it out to say we're going to Kate now it was like really easy to follow the transition in in the chapters um so I didn't mind it that much but and I mean I guess this is kind of pop culture but like way better done than the goddamn revealed and like those <laughs> really horrible POV transitions where you're like what is oh going my God, on I'll never forget them because <laughs> You had no idea what was happening. You're I don't, like, who are we listening to right now? I don't really think you can effectively do that that kind of a transition in a first person POV. Like no. it just doesn't work. Um, so glad glad we were able to successfully switch POVs mid chapter, and I actually thought it worked really well for these particular chapters. Um, and then I will come back to my other thought in a second. But, like, and I recognize that the video that Kate was watching with the music was a decade old, but I really, really hate that Leo just, like, endangered the lives of a whole room of people to feed. Like, that just was so gross and reckless to me, and he has such a cavalier attitude about humans and humanity that when you compare it to August, it just feels extra disgusting. Yep. He is... He scares me a lot. He's the kind of person, or monster, I guess, who I feel like if he lost control, like, if August hadn't been there to kind of tether him a little bit, um, he would have just completely lost his humanity, like, totally. And he would have had fun doing it. It's just... He's he's a monster monster. August is a monster by definition. He is a monster by practice. He's a monster by personality. August is an angel by personality. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He's a little sweetheart. Um, okay, the last one. I just wanted to check in with you because... I feel like in this chapter, we finally got an answer to the question that has been bothering you the entire book, which is how are monsters created and how bad are sins and like what kinds of sins are there that cause you to be a sinner? Did you feel like your question got answered? Kind of. I want it in like, (laughs) I I just want her to give me a straight answer because it's still not straight up answer to me. Am I missing something? Did I miss it? So, like, I know how they're created through disasters, right? But, like, in terms of the sinners, like, yeah, like, we've gotten, like, the druggies. We get, you know, the murderers. It's a sin that creates a monster is what creates the shadow on their soul. If a monster has been created by the act, then that is something a I can feed on. So if you do something violent but someone doesn't die you're a sinner that creates a corsi if you murder someone you're a sinner that creates a malkai if you mass murder a bunch of people you're a sinner that creates a sunai those are the only three groups of sins that the sunai are going to be able to feed on if it's created a monster 
Okay. Which is why they feed on those sinners, because if those people have sinned, right, they're going to Mm -hmm. do it again, and they will keep creating monsters. So that's how the Sunai help the Flynn Task Force, is they are trying to keep the population of monsters under control by eliminating the threat of the people that are likely to continue creating monsters. Got it. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I figured we would need to, like, talk through it a little bit. Um, so I that's that was the last thing I had for the chapter that I wanted to flag. What about you? I didn't have much more different from you. Leo scared me, as we have talked about. Um, to me, um, I was just, like, I understand why Leo was non, so nonchalant about Kate Harker, because his reasoning is, like, if it gets out of hand, we can just kill her. But I'm like, it almost seems, I want to say, like, uncharacteristic of him, because I don't think that's fair. I don't know him as a character that well. But, like, it seems reckless of him to not take the possibility that Kate Harper knows something about August more seriously, considering she has a network, which includes her father, who is one of the biggest influencers in his region. And that's, like, if she does figure out and like everybody knows she's smart i'm assuming everyone knows she's smart like it wouldn't take her long to figure it out if she knows that something's up with august to kind of get to a point where she realizes what august is like it just seems i don't know like obviously we as the reader know already so it's hard to kind of come at it from Mm -hmm. someone who doesn't know Mm -hmm. um their perspective but like it just it annoys me a bit because I feel like he should be a little bit more wary of it, of her. So, my thought, if you would like to hear it, yes. um, because <laughs> and this is coming because I edited this episode relatively recently. But when she was first interacting with Sloan in our commentary section, we had a whole like conversation about how frustrated I I think it was me originally, like how frustrated I was that Sloane wasn't taking Kate seriously because she's a teenage girl. And like how that's so extremely unfair because teenage girls actually add so much to society and are capable of so much change and doing so much harm. Um, But a lot of people don't recognize how much teenage girls are actually capable of because they see them as these very, like, vapid, shallow creatures because they don't care about the same things that, like, the adults, or in this case, the monsters care about. Um, But that doesn't mean they don't still have power in their own right, and that's just not recognized by people. And so now I think, extending that to Leo, I think we're seeing a trend where these monstrous beings, right, are not fully acknowledging all of the power that sits in these, like, teenage girl humans. Because, A, they don't really see humans as anything to worry about in the first place, and especially not a teenage girl. And Leo, to me, is of the mind of the kind of person that, like, is not going to take that kind of a threat seriously because he thinks... He's just going to think that she's this, like, vapid girl who's more interested in, like, schools and partying and crap and, like, not acknowledge the fact that she's Harker's daughter and is going to act like Harker's daughter. Okay. So it's good reasoning. <laughs> uh, Men take, suck. Take teenage girls seriously, guys. <laughs> seriously. But at least the one thing I do like about this is, like, the only... Well, outside of Harker, 
because the father-daughter relationship is like a whole nother dynamic I don't want to get into <laughs> right now. But like outside of Harker, the only boys slash men that we're seeing having problems with Kate are monsters. So I think it's a very clear intonation that like this kind of behavior and attitude and perspective about teenage girls is wrong. And so I think Victoria Schwab's like secretly telling the readers that that like this is the wrong perspective to have and you know this because the of the characters who are having this perspective okay yeah good point okay sorry <laughs> tangent what no, what good. else you got <laughs> um the other thing that i had for chapter seven um it's not really a thing it's more of a comment she has kate has this long thing about how um like this the reason that the sunai are so scary is because they look human they're able to look human um which i feel like i've heard before it's like the scariest monsters are actually you know us the humans which Mm -hmm. i think is always so on point (laughs) um but it reminded me a lot this isn't pop culture um it just reminded me a lot of um something i read about a long time ago which is called the un canny valley phenomenon which i have a definition for it it's not related to monsters but it reminds me a lot of it um where uh this is from ieee the uncanny valley is a concept first introduced in the 1970s by masahiro mori um mori coined the term uncanny valley to describe his observation that as robots appear more human-like they become more appealing but only up to a certain point Upon reaching the uncanny valley, our affinity descends into a feeling of strangeness, a sense of unease, and a tendency to be scared or freaked out. So the uncanny valley can be defined as people's negative reaction to certain lifelike robots. Obviously, they're not robots, but it, like, reminded me a lot of that whole, like, once you figure out something that looks human is not actually human, you do become scared. Like, it turns, like, most people, not everyone, but most people, like, what, like, that whole, I think it was, uh, Ava or Eve or one of the like humanoid robots Mm -hmm. if you've seen videos of that she is scary because she looks and acts human but isn't human but she's able to have full-on conversations and like it's unsettling feeling in the same way that like a monster who could steal your soul looks human but you know that they're not human (laughs) like it's it it, I kind of empathize with Kate on that like it as much as we love August at the right. end of the day, he's not human, and he has the supernatural ability to kill people <laughs> right? with just a violin, essentially. Yeah. Um, well, and I think that's the whole, like, concept behind vampire novels, too, right? Like, mm-hmm. the, the creation of the vampire in mythology is, it was originally an allegory to explain the fears and the uncertainties and the concerns about humanity that we had and so we othered it and like put it in this form that then made made us fearful and so it's a way to represent that fear that we have against aspects of humanity that we're not so fond of um and you can just easily like other it put it in a thing that is inherently fearful something that's going to suck your blood um robots taking over the world sucking your soul out like right it's all it all kind of translate that's oh it's why monster like literature is so interesting and i mean that's yeah. uh, now i'm doing pop culture but like twilight right 
everyone else was, like, attracted to Edward Cullen, but also really scared of Edward Cullen, and Bella had a messed up weird brain, and so she's like, no, I just love him. I'm ignoring all of the dangers. <laughs> all of the red flags that tell me he's probably not a human. <laughs> and he might murder me. <laughs> Yes, she did not have that life preservation filter that she's supposed to have. (laughs) Kate does have that life preservation filter. So A plus for Kate. She it's it's good to have. It's not a bad thing to be scared of people that aren't really people. (laughs) Like I feel bad for August because we know that something bad is going to probably happen to him because of this now, but like Kate's also gotta defend herself. Although as we learn in chapter eight, she's also has some ulterior motives but (laughs) we can also just hope that they're gonna become best friends and like take down the system together i feel like it's not gonna be that easy but maybe i'm wrong (laughs) we'll see what happens (laughs) there's definitely a confrontation in our future right yeah yes i'm waiting that's what i'm looking forward to is how that's gonna go down because i really can't i can't predict that like i want to but i it could go either way. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a lot for chapter eight. I don't know. Did you have a lot? I had a few notes. Yeah. Um, let's see what I have. Uh, oh, this reminded me of something that you had talked about. I don't know if it was the last episode or two episodes ago with, about Leo. Um, and it's where the first guy that Leo's killing and he's confessing, he's saying, sorry, I'm sorry, over and over again. And goes, if I didn't kill them, they'd have killed me. Mm-hmm. Um, which, for a moment there, I was kind of scared. Like, I know that this guy has done wrong. I know that he has murdered people. He's not a good person. But it was the fact that he was genuinely, as we know, like, very genuinely uh, regretting what he had done. Which kind of put me on edge. Because this is a guy who is being now tortured by Leo and... Leo's justifying it by saying they need penance, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, but if he feels regret, then shouldn't he just be given, like, if you're going to kill him, just kill him. Like, don't drag him through this. If there's remorse, Um, but you still feel the need to dole out a punishment, be quick about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was reminding me of something you had talked about, where you were like, um, well how do we know that some of the people that Leo kills are actually sinners um, that feel no remorse, which is what he's constantly saying is like, they have no remorse. Like, we're going to just kill them. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're just taking Leo's word for it. Like, we don't see him killing the people, so we don't always know. And like, obviously here we know that the guy is definitely a sinner. He's guilty of something, but but we also don't know that he's necessarily fully guilty of the thing that Leo says he's guilty of. Because we didn't exactly. get to see that interrogation. And he doesn't say what. And, like, that whole, if I didn't kill them, they'd have killed me. He's clearly coming at it from a... He felt like he was defending himself. So mm-hmm. is that it? Like, is there more to it? I don't know. Um, but now I'm, like, I'm constantly aware of it. After you said that, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, do we know if they've actually sinned? Or, like, like if they feel remorse, should they, should they be killed so horribly? <laughs> um, stuff like that. I would say uh, I think August and Ilsa aren't going to torture anybody. It's just Leo for the most part. Yeah. And I think, especially after these chapters, Leo has proven himself to be a very unreliable and untrustworthy character. Like, I, 
Yes. Maybe I'm sadist. wrong, but... He is a complete right. sadist. We can't trust him to actually have an idea of what justice is and, like, what is right. Yeah. Um, I had a comment also, which we kind of talked about in the last chapter, about the whole switching viewpoints in the middle of the chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to wait till chapter 8 because I feel like... I it, it felt to me um, that it was on purpose that she did it in two back-to-back chapters for the first time where she switched from August's point of view to Kate's point of view within the same chapter. Um, to me, I took it as Victoria being very, very stinky and cool because the story is now picking up and we have that juxtaposition. We were getting to juxtaposition before of like, one thing happening with August and something similar happening with Kate, but it was one chapter to the next chapter. Mm-hmm. And now that the story is picking up and we're getting more info, especially about Leo and everything that like Aug- Kate is figuring out about August, the story is picking up. So it makes sense to like now put it in directly. It feels like a, almost like a movie script. Like you're switching back and forth from these two scenes. There's a lot going on. You don't want to chapter break it. She's um, picking up tempo. Exactly. So Which makes sense because like, August has a leg row now. I gosh. call it. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> you can't hate that. That's like JK Rowling Harry Potter 101 like naming convention. <laughs> We can hate her, but, like, we both like that naming convention. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it all, it all adds up, and I like that she did that. I think that was a really, really cool, like, yes, Allegro, and now we have this happening where it feels like it's picking up, and, like, it makes sense that mm-hmm. why she's doing it now um, with these scenes. Yeah. yeah like, the sense. whole, like, the whole, like... Leo doing this horrible thing while Kate is watching Leo do this horrible thing on camera at a different time was just so like, oh my god. (laughs) I loved it, and I hated it, obviously, but like, I loved that she did it like that. Perfect transition. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it was so well done. Claps all around for Victoria Schwab. Um, I'm so glad that, like, this book is getting you on the Victoria Schwab train. I know. I really love it. Because uh, it's funny, because, like, this book did not, this is not what got me on the Victoria Schwab train. Like, I liked this book, but it was not my, she was not my, like, you know, top ten favorite authors list after reading this book. It was Addie LaRue that did it for me. But reading it again and seeing all of the things that she's doing in this book and, like, hearing you pick up on it, I'm like... Nope, she's cemented up there. Now she's, like, top five all-time favorite authors for me. I want to read more of her stuff. I really like this book and how she she writes. So, thank you for suggesting it. <laughs> You're welcome. A good pick. Based on everything I've heard about her other books, not that I've read them yet, I will, um, but I think the Vicious duology would be really good for you. I think that's on my to read. I haven't um, gotten around to I'm it. not sure about A Darker Shade of Magic. I have to read that before I know, like, whether or not it's going to be a good recommendation <laughs> for you. Um, and then Addie LaRue, I think you'll like the lyricalness of the writing, but it'll be a really slow read for you, so it'll be one that you read over, like, four months. Hmm. 
Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Did you um, I had else? one less. Okay. Yeah, one less thing for chapter eight, which it's not really. I think it's more of a comment. Um, I'm worried about what. Obviously, we're all worried, but about what Kate is going to do with August's identity because. To me, how I interpret it when she left off is it sounded kind of like she was going to take the easy way out and just, like, basically reveal August to her father just to gain um, a little bit of, I don't, I don't know what the wording for this is, a little bit of, like, clout with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is fine, but it worries me a little bit. Obviously, I don't think this is what's going to happen, but, like, the fact that I left off like that, I'm like, is she just going to, like, is she going to come up with a better plan? Because it feels very wasted to just hand that over to him like it's nothing. Because I feel like he's the type of character that would just take it and be like, cool, this is what you should be doing. Right. And just, like, shrug it off. Right. And forget about it. Thanks for this information. Did you do your math homework? Yeah. Which, like, I feel like that's not going to happen, but it does worry me a bit that she doesn't really, like, her thought, there's not a lot of thought process initially when she's she's going over it. Um, and I feel like she's going to have to think it through more and realize that right. she needs to do more in order to get more from her father. Right. Um, but well, mostly I because think... I feel like otherwise there's no plot to the book, but... <laughs> True. I also think a lot of it's just really misguided. Like... I get that she wants to potentially capture August in some way and, like, turn him over to Harker, right? And, like, mm-hmm. show Harker live, this is a soon I look, I'm helping you with, like, the FTF. But I think a lot of that, like, part of it is familial loyalty and wanting to gain clout with her father. Part of it is propaganda, Right? Like, the information Sloane is feeding to her, everything she's ever learned about Sunai is watching the videos about Leo. She's She has this, like, confirmation bias from all of that information and, like, knowing how Sunai are created to assume that then August is going to be as violent and horrific as Leo is. And, like, that's not a correct assumption, but that's an assumption that you would expect someone who's been living under a propaganda, like, regime their entire life to make. Yeah. So it, to that end, it's, like, fair that she's coming to that conclusion. But that worries me because, like, that kind of propaganda regime and that kind of familial loyalty without actually thinking about all of the consequences and what you're doing is so terrifying and potentially harmful. And, yeah, it's... Uh, I was, like, really there for it the entire chapter. I'm like, figure it out, Kate. You're a genius. I'm so proud of you. And then I'm like, no, wait, no, don't turn him over. No. (laughs) I trusted her, though. I trust that she's going to do better. But. Same. (laughs) Can I say that? That does not sound like a good. (laughs) Well, the thing is, like, I, I kind of remember what she does. And so I don't know if, like, saying same is, like, a confirmation one way or the other. So it was. The hesitancy was like, mm, am I spoiling anything? I don't by think you're giving this? it away. I think that like at this point we can say she's probably not just gonna hand it over. Like that would just be well, so she deleted stupid. the pictures, right? So like it's gonna yeah, so take her some effort. Either way, like it's gonna take her some effort to turn him over to Harker if that's what she wants to do. Yeah. 
pictures would have been the easiest way to do that, and that's not what she did. True. Um, I also just wanted to say that, like, I disagree with Leo's, like, whole assessment in this chapter. He's like, we don't disperse justice, we disperse penance. And I, I disagree with that. I think they disperse justice. I think the men are going to end up dead either way. The only reason he is torturing the men is for his own sick reasons and his own sick pleasure. It isn't necessary. He has somehow convinced himself it is necessary, but it isn't. And A, he's a cruel, sick bastard. But B, he's no better than the people he kills because he keeps making these justifications for himself. Yeah. Can a monster become a sinner? (laughs) I think they inherently are. Right? But they don't have souls. That's true. So they can't have a soul that sins. But maybe a Sunai can kill another Sunai. We don't know. Oh. Ooh, I haven't thought about that. And if that's the case, Ilsa's going to body both of them. Let's be real. Yep. (laughs) She is. Yeah, I'm... And, yeah, I just really was not a big fan of the torture scene. I hate all torture nope. porn scenes. No, thank you. I, them I honestly kind of skimmed that. I was like, you know what? I feel like this isn't going to really do much for me, so. <laughs> I, I pretty much on. skim them as much as I can whenever I read them. I'm like, the breaking yeah. bones. Pass, 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 pass. No, thank you. No. <laughs> uh, but that's that's all the extra stuff I have. Like I said, I didn't have a lot for, for Chapter 8. Pop culture, your favorite part. Yes, I'm very excited. Why don't you start for chapter seven? <laughs> what do you got? Okay, I have three, sort of. I guess two and a half. Um, I know. <coughs> well, don't get too excited. It's I only have three though, so like that's where oh, equally well, matched. I for it's more seven. like two and a half because like two of them are kind of on the same thing. Okay, fair. Sure. Anyway, um, so the first one I had was. The Fifth Wave by Rick Yancey, um, mm. which uh, n- now that I think of it could also be kind of like um, vampires too, I guess. But the idea with that book um, was that <laughs> this is a really, you're not, are you planning on reading the Fifth Wave series? No. It's like post-apocalyptic. Okay. I'm Big done with spoiling. my dystopia. Yeah. <laughs> For a while. Big spoiler to if anyone is planning on reading that. Like, this is a humongous spoiler. It literally spoils the end of the book series. <laughs> but um, it's basically, like, it amounts to aliens living among humans, looking exactly like humans. And the only way that you can tell that they're not a human is if you have a particular... I think it's like a particular lens then you can see i think it's a i want to say it's their eye color similar to sunai where you can't see their eyes mm. with the aliens of the fifth wave um that look like humans their eye color is it will glow different when you have a particular lens um yeah so that just remind me a bit of that um <laughs> the sunai uh, looking like humans, the aliens the fifth way also look like humans. You don't realize it usually until it's too late. <laughs> um, and they blend in, like they completely act like humans. They they try to essentially to overtake humans, 
by looking like them. It's very scary. That's like the uh, host, but again, right? Yeah, so a bunch of novels are very similar to that where you like the host like sucks you in or whatever to a different soul and it's an alien soul. Um, no, the alien <laughs> goes into your into a human oh, host's human body. Soul, that's right. Yeah. Um, very similar. It happened like it's kind of like it's a sci-fi too, trope. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that too. It's scary. Like that's that would scare me. Um, I remember reading the Fifth Wave, and you find out about that at the very end. And the aliens are so tricky that they trick the humans into thinking that the people with a certain eye color are the aliens, and then they're looking at somebody who is a human, and they have like it's all it's very weird. It's, this it's isn't like, you being an alien trying to trick me, right, Julia? No, no, I'm not. I'm not an alien. <laughs> Are you an alien? <laughs> I mean, some people think so a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Very odd. Uh, if anyway, you ask Skyla, um, she'd probably say I'm an alien. <laughs> uh, the other two that I had... Um, it was they just came to me during that scene where she's looking kate is looking at the video footage the grainy video footage and Mm -hmm. it's like this murder going on and it's very scary first thing that reminded me of was (laughs) vampire academy i think it's in both the book and the movie where um uh rose is looking at one of the her former teachers has turned strigoi um see there you go again. Strigoi and um, Maroy. Maroy is good. Strigoi is bad. I remember this. From yes. the, like, three times I've watched this movie with you, specifically. Um, which I actually have as a reference in chapter, a pop culture reference in chapter eight. I'll get to that, though. Anyway, so she's looking at the, the footage of her teacher going, like, crazy. It just reminded me of that. Because um, it's it's... Like, it's something that happened in the past, but, you know, it was still out there, and you're looking at it as a reference. It's creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one that I had for the same scene was The Ring, <laughs> the horror movie. Obviously, they don't die in seven days after watching footage of Leo, but um, it's the where she, Kate, is kind of moving in kind of unconsciously towards the screen because she wants to hear the playing even though she can't hear it there's no Mm -hmm. sound on the clip reminded me of the ring where you're like it feels kind of real but you don't really know what's going on you stop watching it and then seven days later it becomes real um remind me a bit about that yeah that's what i had (laughs) love it we're going like real deep like horror monster vibes in all of our references um okay great so i also have three thankfully three completely different ones so going in very opposite directions i do have a vampire reference (laughs) so i i'm sorry um not too much of a reason for this reference other than vibes because you know me i love my vibe (laughs) references but in the clip of leo like playing at the bar and like everyone being like so arrested with the music and like not being able to leave not being able to like literally take their ears off of him and then the two people like wandering forward there's this moment in the witcher 3 video game uh where the video game like 
forces you to take a pause and you like cannot skip past it you have to just sit it out and listen to it and you're in a bar and like your friend you watch the witcher tv show right yeah yes so you remember yes yes you remember yes of course i do right so in the games his name is dandelion and in the books i that they changed it well, so in the English translation of the books, they named him Dandelion. Jaskier is from the original Polish books. Okay. Um, yeah, so, but in the games, his name is Dandelion. And he's in love with this, like, other bardess lady, um, Priscilla, who has, like, a voice like an angel. And so he drags Geralt to this bar and, like, makes Geralt listen to Priscilla give a performance. And the game, like, straight up just stops and makes you listen to, like, two and a half minutes of Priscilla's performance. I Like, you can't skip past it. You can't oh do anything God. else. And it's, like, the most beautiful thing. It's this haunting song. And, like, you are actually arrested by it. Like, I still sometimes go and, like, watch the clip of Priscilla performing this song on YouTube because I love the song so much. Did you show it to me when you Yes, I 100%. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I feel like this song is really familiar. (laughs) But, like, this idea of, like, watching, like, being a a third party and then watching a bunch of people be, like, stuck and arrested by this song and, like, not being able to look away from it yourself was very reminiscent of, like, me watching Geralt watch this song in The Witcher 3. Because you can't skip past yeah. it. It's like a full two and a half minutes in a video game. <laughs> like, it's very weird. That's not normal unless you're doing, like, a credit roll. That's so funny. Again, all vibes, no plot. <laughs> but I think the moment, like, actually does fit very well. Uh, okay, I'm also getting very big Jude vibes from Kate in this chapter. I know that, like, we reference them in relation to each other all the time. But, like, going through the whole panic of, like, figuring out all this information, trying to figure out what to do with it, then immediately she's like, ah, how can I manipulate August and find his weakness to exploit? That's everything that Jude does in The Wicked King to Cardin. She's like, okay, wait, 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 I have to rule this kingdom. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. And then she's like, I'm going to make Cardin my fucking bitch. And Cardin's like okay (laughs) and he's just along for the ride which kind of feels like august at this point too (laughs) yeah so very reminiscent of the wicked (laughs) and then lastly like i feel like this chapter really highlights the differences between leo and august in ways that we get similarly in a lot of vampire stories i think twilight and vampire diaries are both really good examples where you have one vampire who just does not or in the case of Twilight, a coven of vampires, who does not want to engage with the vampy lifestyle at all, right? Eating animals, trying to find workarounds to hurt the least amount of people possible. This is mm-hmm. August in our case. And then you have the vamps that, like, enjoy terrorizing dozens of people. That is Leo. So, like, if you're looking at Vampire Diaries, it's like the dichotomy between Stefan and Damon in season one. Um, if you're looking at Twilight, it's Edward versus James, right? And you're like, well, clearly we know who the bad one is. <laughs> it's very obvious. Um, and then, let's see what else I wrote down here. Um, 
Oh, and then sometimes you have, and this I don't have full context for because I haven't finished the book, but, like, I can kind of see this maybe becoming a thing as, like, a cross between those two scenarios where you have, like, someone who just doesn't want to engage with the lifestyle at all, someone who's, like, really into the lifestyle, and then you have, like, the vamps that are in the middle who, like, feel the need to, like, stage a scene or, like, engage with the lifestyle, but they're not relishing what they're doing or doing something for a purpose hidden from the reader, which I think is happening in The Beautiful, but I'm reading through it right now, and so I don't have the context because we don't actually know who the vampires are yet. Um, I know there are vampires because there's a vampire that narrates some of the chapters, but, like, we don't know who he is in the context of the story or if he's met our main character yet. But he's clearly, like, regretful of some of the things that he's done, even though he has a bigger purpose for doing it. So, like, there's that middle ground, and that feels like when you combine August and Leo into one person. Um, also, I just, like, apologize to the listeners for how many vampire references we're going to make <laughs> with this book. It's not going to stop. <laughs> That's you all I need to read up on my vampire lore. <laughs> I clearly read too many vampire things. I almost straight up ordered a vampire manga last night, and then I, like, oh, held God. myself back. Because I'm like, let's be real, Chantal. The first manga you're going to order is going to be a Pokemon manga. <laughs> of course it would be. Chapter 8. What do you got, <laughs> Julie? <laughs> I have a couple. Uh, one which I already kind of mentioned, which is the Strigoi Moroi thing from Vampire Academy remind me a lot of when we're talking about Leo kind of giving into his monster side, um, mm-hmm. his monster form. Obviously, with with the Moroi Strigoi thing, Moroi Strigoi. Anyway, um, that one is a lot harder to go back from a Strigoi to a Moroi. Um, I don't know a lot about the um, how difficult it is to go from monster to human i my feeling with leo is that if he gives in too much to that monster part of himself he's gonna have a lot of trouble getting back to the human part of himself kind of like the strigoi but um i don't know yet so again like that's also like a lot of vampire kind of things where like you have the good vampires and you got the bad vampires (laughs) um that's just my like I have very few vampire references that's my one of the few vampire references I have <laughs> um I don't even remember like anything that happens in Twilight so that's all it's thing. okay I clearly remember <laughs> it too that. much I've got it covered that and vampire diaries I can make any reference anyone ever needs <laughs> Um, and then the other one I had was also a Cruel Prince reference. Uh, the whole Leo saying that he has to educate August through violence, um, which is also, that happens with Jace in the City of Bones also, where his father educates him with violence. It's the same thing with Cardin and his brother educating him with violence. Like, I see here. you not trying to spoil City of Bones right there. Okay. <laughs> Um, listen, <laughs> um, <laughs> goddamn City of Blo- Bones subplots. I can't with that series. Yeah. I haven't read them and I still know everything that happens and I hate all of it. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. I was obsessed with that series. 
I remember exactly when I read it. October 2012. I would read it when I was going back and forth from New York to Vermont, my freshman year of college. I'm great time. I'm very tempted. I'm not gonna lie. I'm very tempted to like drop the money on the box set of the special edition entire six book tri- uh, six book series from Lit Lovejoy. It's two hundred and forty five dollars. Okay, I was about to say like I think that you will eat the series up, but I don't think it's worth two hundred and some dollars. Like which I'm going to be completely honest here, which is why I haven't bought it because I figure do I it. will get them from the library. <laughs> yes, that is a much better way of. I don't. I don't want to put money towards um, siblings to lovers as a trope. Well, yeah. I mean, (laughs) they're not really siblings, right? But that's the attention she had going into it. But anyway, (laughs) moving on. What's your pop culture references for uh, chapter eight? (laughs) Okay. So, I'm going to go back to the shadow hands <laughs> thing okay. that you were talking about. Um, so, um, immediately my first thought is Azrael from Akatar because he's a he's what's called a shadow singer, which is very rare for the Fae, apparently. But he he's just, like, constantly surrounded by shadows. They're, like, his little friends. And, like, sometimes they go away. Sometimes they'll, like, completely coat his entire body. He can, like, sneak around with them. Um so very reminiscent of like the use of shadow to coat leo's hand and then i also don't even know if this reference is accurate because i'm not quite sold on all the world building but i keep doing this i'm referencing things that i don't understand for books i've barely just started (laughs) but i'm reading witches steeped in gold and there's this whole concept for the witches like they all have some kind of magic. I'm not quite sure what that looks like yet. And then they have these things called metiers, which are jobs within their witchy orders, but their magic may also be aligned to that job. It's not completely clear yet, so I'll know more at a later date. But there's like a stealth metier, and so it seems like they have, especially the witches in that stealth Metier, they have certain like magic skills that they can use to like cloak themselves basically. So similar vibes with like the stealth and the shadows and everything. Could also say the invisibility cloak, but that seemed like too easy of a reference, so I'm not gonna say that. Um and then the I don't did you ever watch Teen Wolf? Yeah, well I watched the first couple seasons and then that's all you need for this reference so i haven't thought about the show in years i try to like (laughs) i try to watch it like every so often and then i get distracted by other things and i've literally never gotten past season three no matter how many times i try to start it because i always have to start from the beginnings i have no idea what's going on um but the leo torture scene where he's trying to like explain to august and like get august to understand other ways to like feed and be cruel and like is really relishing and like teaching August this, these things reminds me a lot of the Argents in like the first season of Teen Wolf specifically when that aunt is trying to teach Allison like how to torture information out of werewolves yeah <laughs> yeah that's true random reference but you got that familial connection <laughs> I really have not even thought about Teen Wolf probably in like five years that's wild (laughs) happy to help 
We should. I would we definitely. What what was the uh, ship with Styles and the buff dude? What was him? Derek. Derek. Yeah, I was on that ship train. That's how old I am now. Oh, I'm on board with that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's also it probably explains like how little of the series we watch because I'm sure stuff got way wild after we tuned. <laughs> We should do that instead of a Merlin rewatch. We should, like, (laughs) actually It's all free on Amazon Prime. I think I know how it ends, because I had friends who were still obsessed with the show at the time when it ended, um, who would, like, talk about it. Um, I won't tell you. And I don't... I mean, I will say that I don't think it was satisfactory from what it sounded like. Well, then that that makes it a perfect replacement for our Merlin (laughs) rewatch. Well, but Berlin, we knew how it was going to end. We can't say it was unsatisfactory. I can say it was unsatisfactory. It was unsatisfactory. <laughs> I was so angry. Well, you didn't love seeing Merlin as an old man walking Welsh roads alone? No. No, I did not. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> I would honestly kill for them now that um, those two actors are older. I would kill for BBC to do another, like, doesn't even, it could just be a couple long episodes with both of them. Like, the revived Arthur and an older Merlin. I think it could they so cool. just put the two of them in a room together and film it and call it a Merlin a reunion. <laughs> I want a reunion with them so bad. They were so funny together. They were <sighs> so good. Um. Anyways, <laughs> big tangent. Big tangent. Um. To all of our TV shows, we see that's the thing. We don't want to watch new ones. We just want to rewatch the like. <laughs> five that we like and that's it (laughs) that's true um so speaking of shadows the way august describes feeling after the man's soul like fills him really quickly and he feels really like rejuvenated and like into it and he's you know like he feels the pull almost of doing it that way but then he also knows how wrong it is and like can feel that wrongness of it uh, it reminds me of Zodiac Academy because contrary to popular belief, even though it is a smut series, there is plot. And the plot is actually really interesting. It it's is not a, porn without plot, as they It is say. definitely not porn without plot. I would say it has more plot than the Akatar series, personally. Ooh. Big dig there. I'm going to get hands thrown at me for saying that. Yeah. But. I, I much prefer Zodiac Academy to Akatar. Um, but there's like there's a whole underlying plot and thing that's going on. <laughs> and in the f- fourth well, like the third book to the fourth book, basically, um, the the twins end up and a couple of other characters end up getting these like shadow powers. So like they all have the the girls have all four elements, which is like unheard of. That's like makes them the most powerful Fae ever. And then someone forces them to also be the conduits for some other people to get black magic and, like, the shadow power. Um, But they end up keeping the shadow power as well, so they have five elements now. And one of the girls, Tori, um, 
is like constantly engaging with the shadows and like they feel really good when she calls on the shadows and she knows it's wrong but like she can still sometimes like succumb to the lore that the shadows paint and but like at the same time she feels off so it's like that constant battle between like how good it feels but then like it feeling wrong and like Darcy the other twin deals with it better than Tori does and so I feel like it's the same thing here where Leo's like fully given it and he's like yeah I like this like the way that it feels when I get the souls this way and August is like no this feels off like something is wrong I don't want to engage with this so that's like Darcy and then Leo's like Tori um so yeah anyways Zodiac Academy is great it's free on Kindle Unlimited need to read the next three books i'm slowly getting there and then uh oh you're gonna potentially read bridge kingdom on audible so this is a good reference for you i'm getting early (laughs) so not spoilery thank god bridge kingdom vibes from kate here in chapter eight like she's a lot like early book laura when she first gets to the bridge kingdom trying to come up with a million ways to destroy Arin, who she's married to (laughs) But she's, like, trying to destroy him anyways because she wants to make herself her father's equal. Not necessarily because she wants to do things for her father specifically, but because she wants to do things for her kingdom and, like, to make things better for her kingdom. Because her father has fed her all of these lies that, like, her doing this thing will make her kingdom better and that this one kingdom is what's standing in the way of their kingdom being successful it's a lie but um that's what he keeps telling her and so she's running with that in the beginning of the book like doing her father's bidding rather than like helping her new husband um because she has this misguided loyalty to her father on behalf of her kingdom that is just like incorrectly placed and I feel like Kate has that too like she has this loyalty to her father because she thinks that that will give her the validation that she needs but that's misguided loyalty because she doesn't realize how bad her father actually is compared to this Sunai and compared to what Flynn is doing so Bridge Kingdom is great it's a very like true good fantasy enemies to lovers love that I love a good enemies to lovers Spanish love deception is a enemies to lovers so you should read it I mean it's it's as enemies to lovers as a contemporary romance can get I feel like all of them are like the girl thinks that they're enemies and the boy has secretly been pining after them for years and he's just like she only will talk to me if I mean to her so I'm just continue being mean to her to get interaction oh my god yeah uh, contemporary romance does not do enemies to lovers well but they try so kudos kudos to the genre anyways that's uh that's all i had should we do mvps yeah uh who is your mvp there's not a, kind of le- there's not a lot not of not a whole choices. lot of options mm-hmm Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm gonna, I mean, I, I feel like I have to go with August because he's just so, 
he has his head on his shoulders. Yeah, he's he has his head on his shoulders. He's like trying to course correct as much as he can. He recognizes that the lessons, quote unquote, that he's being taught are wrong. Um, and like his moral compass is like standing strong even when his brother, his you know parental figure in a sense is telling him to do something he's like i don't want to do this this makes me uncomfortable which is the exact opposite of what kate is doing uh in these chapters so i i appreciate his stalwartness in his beliefs in in these chapters how about you i'm going to give mine very unconventional to sloan because Ooh. I know, okay, hear me out on this. I don't like Sloan, right? No. Like, he is not a likable monster by any measure. But in chapter eight, I think that the information that he divulges is really, really important um, for Kate to hear from another monster in particular. He mm-hmm. never questions why she's asking, just gives the information that he has. Um and I think that he does show a little bit of vulnerability when he talks about Leo and shows the scars that Leo left. Nobody wants to show, like, to show someone scars from a battle with another monster who is on the level of Leo. I think it it takes a lot for somebody to do that. Um, because my guess is that was probably not a pretty battle from what it looks like, considering immediately after so it's like well i also left my marks off on leo um and it's like a little tick like mark. balance it out yeah and it's not a lot versus what sloan is showing showing right. he is kind of a lot um his chest was so cut to ribbons yeah so i think the fact that he actually allowed kate to see that to as kind of like a warning this is what these monsters can do was really important. I don't think that he's a good character by any stretch, but I think that in terms of the plot and in terms of Kate getting information and a little showing a little bit of vulnerability there, he is important in general. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is that is fair. I also think he could have been so much worse in these chapters than he, he could was. have. So like, well, I was waiting for him to like interrogate her about like what's she doing on on these videos like why is she asking these questions yeah he never questions her which i think is important it's fair but who knows maybe sloan's actually starting to see her as a person i know i doubt it i like but maybe <laughs> i have this hope and i don't think it is going to come to fruition where they actually team up and like take over the world <laughs> but like i don't know like i would love for them to be teammates in some her way because i feel like Yes, because they're both under the kind of jurisdiction of Kate's father, who mm-hmm. is clearly not obvious, like a great guy, mm-hmm. at least from what I am gathering. And like, we don't know a lot about Sloane's relationship with Kate's father. Like, to me, it sounds like he almost is like, I don't know, like, not a. a I can't think of the right word, but like he's an indentured like a servant, mate of yes, exactly, like not a slave, but an indentured servant. No, yeah, it's like it's a very strange position that he's in. So I feel like in some ways, if they teamed up, they could be really good together. Do I think it's gonna happen? No. Do I wish it would happen? Yes. <laughs> so, 
I will say nothing because either thing would be a spoiler. So, thank you. <laughs> Interesting wish slash thought that you have. Yeah, I love a good redemption arc, though. I think we've talked about this before, so. Yeah, it's a little strange to me that you want redemption arcs for, like, straight-up murderer monsters, mm. but you know what? <laughs> you do you, girl. <laughs> well, what we don't know a lot about Sloane. Like, what has Sloane done? Do we know? He's a Malkai. He drinks human blood. But, like, maybe it's the same thing as... What August does, where he chooses his victims. I don't know. Okay, okay. I don't know. <laughs> no, the the way it works, so, and this probably wasn't made super clear in some of the earlier things, but it's not a spoiler. The way it works in North City is if you, as a, a citizen of North City, do not make your payments to Harker, so we'll drink your blood. You get eaten by a monster. And they they yeah. will kind of, like, spread it out amongst the Corsi and the Malkai, depending on, like, who needs to feed or, like, whatever. Um, you know, reward someone for, like, extra good behavior. I don't know, like, the specifics of, like, how it all works out. But, like, that's how they feed in North City. Harker may also let them sneak down to South City, but I don't know how much of that is, like, him allowing them to do that and them going rogue and doing that. And we haven't, like... Well, I mean, I know how much of it is either thing, but, like, the story hasn't told us that yet. But what if Sloane isn't doing it because he wants to? Like, he's doing it because he is trying to survive. I don't know how much of the <laughs> vampire lore of, like, needing the food applies here. It's a fair question because no, of like, how the Sunai even feed. just, like survive as a monster in the household of one of the most powerful oh i see what you're saying like people keep yeah. keep his clout to make sure that no one suspects yeah. that like he's weak in certain ways yeah that's yeah these are fair thoughts is it gonna happen i feel like sloan's plot line is not as intricate as i am making it out to be but i want it to be i just want a redemption arc okay Yet you criticized me for loving <laughs> Matic. Okay. Role reversal, ma'am. <laughs> My goodness. Well, it's the same thing where I feel like you know what's going to happen in the way that I knew it was going to happen with Matic. So, like, you can't... It's, it's hard. You can't separate yourself from what you already know. Right, but at least Matic wasn't, like actively torturing Jude <laughs> most chapters. Like, he was imparting fatherly yeah. wisdom, which is why I liked him. True. Uh, true, to, true. To each their own, you know? You have your monster, I have my fae. It's all good. We're all happy. We all have our characters that we want better things for. I get it. We still haven't read The Queen of Nothing. Maybe my redemption arc is coming. Yeah, true. I doubt it, but I'm still hoping because I cannot wait to read this book. It just, like, sits on my shelf and taunts me every day. I, like, cannot wait to read The Queen of Nothing. Um, but that's not today's topic, so I need to move on. What is your wine rating for this episode, Julia? <laughs> um, once again, I had to do my research before this book because this book just, like, demands that I actually research the wines that I am comparing it to. So I would say 9 out of 10. 
It's an Italian Barbera. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally wrote out my note for this. One which is pretty dark in color and low in tannins, but high in acid. Mm. There's a theme here. If yeah. you remember all of my past wines, so like this is an ongoing theme. <laughs> you, but you have a balance where you're switching back and forth between the fruity and the earthy, right? In the same way that you're switching from Kate to August's point of view. Uh-huh. So it's rich and light all at the same time. That is what Barbera is. It's, it's a weird juxtaposition of rich and light bodiedness, um, which I think is chapter seven and eight in a nutshell. The weirdly, you have a lot going on. Weirdly, I feel like the lightness comes from Kate and the richness comes from August. It's very different this time. Normally, I feel like it's the opposite. Yeah. So, yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. What's your whining review? <laughs> you know, six out of ten. And I think it's a little bit higher um because august definitely has some like though i think they are right he has some existential crises like when going through this whole feeding (laughs) thing with leo um which i can't just like ignore even though again i think that they're completely fair and right um he can be a little bit over the top with his analysis instead of just like saying not for me and then, like, going with the flow to, like, get himself out of the situation. He's just, like, having these, like, philosophical debates about the, like, appropriateness of doing a particular thing. And it's interesting to read, but it's very angsty. Um, so I do have to give him a slightly higher rating. Kate lets herself panic for, like, two seconds and then starts plotting murder, basically. Like, I don't, I don't know how to process her. She just never has angst. Like, literally almost never has angst. So she's not a driving factor in the rating. But um, six six out of ten for August's rightful angst in his feeding session with Leo. I think that's fair. Six out of ten. Okay, and that has been the end of our more than normal, I feel like, tangent-filled this is a lot i think it's the again it's there's a theme it's when we are tired i mean we have alcohol we get way into the tangents and i 100 percent did not eat before i drank wine tonight so there's okay so for you it's extra extra fun (laughs) um it's gonna be really fun to edit (laughs) yeah oh god uh okay well thanks everyone for making it through this and listening we really appreciate it uh you can follow us on social media specifically instagram and facebook at unnecessary angst pod and on twitter at unangstpod. and you can also email us if you just want to chat about the books that we're reading what we're talking about um literally anything we're just here to chat uh you can email us at unnecessary at gmail.com and with that We will let you all go. Have a lovely week, and we'll talk to you during the next one. Bye. Bye.